I'm Mason Parrish with Parrish Ranch in Cut and Shoot, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, El Nino is moving into Texas, but it may not last long. We spoke with Cattle Facts meteorologist Matt Makins at this week's Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course, and we'll give you his opinion on how long this El Nino will stick around coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A special educational opportunity for women in agriculture will soon be offered by Texas A&M AgriLife in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt and we'll have details on Texas Ag Today. New corn trait technology will be available to producers in 2024 in their fight against pests in their crops. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Summer heat isn't just uncomfortable, it's also taking its toll on summer crops. Hello, I'm Barry Muller and I have the story in today's report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The El Nino weather pattern is moving into Texas as evidenced by the wet spring we had across most of the state. At the Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course in College Station this week, Cattle Facts meteorologist Matt Makins told us we'll see cooler and wetter weather this winter. But this El Nino won't stick around for long. Our recorded history on kind of the average of El Nino and La Nina events is they kind of fade out in the spring into summer. Lower impact at that time. And they're really more of like a November to April-ish, if you will, impactor. So history kind of tells us this El Nino fades in the spring to summer 2024. And that's just on the average of what an El Nino would do. If you look at the last, say, 40 years in perspective, we're in a period where El Nino happens far less frequently than La Nina. So there's a knock on a two-year El Nino event. Makins mentioned that we're seeing more of the hot and dry La Ninas than we are the wetter, cooler El Ninos. That's a pattern that kicked in about 25 years ago. Right around the late 90s to 2000, there's other climate drivers or oscillations, if you will, and they happen very long spans, 20, 30, 40 years. But, but the kind of the current gear ratio we're in now, if you will, kicked off in the late 90s, early 2000s, and that ended uh, several decades where El Nino is far more prevalent and strong, and now we are into this next 
20, 30 years where La Nina is more prevalent and strong. And that's why we've seen drought be such a problem since roughly 2000. And that means Texas farmers and ranchers need to make the most of the rainfall over the next year because more drought is a real possibility after that. I'm leaning toward a second El Nino for next summer, 2024. And then we need to shut it down and that we may see a very rapid redevelopment of La Nina. So across Texas, that gives us two, at least one favorable season, perhaps two, before we revert back into that drought problem with La Nina. Cattle Facts meteorologist Matt Makins at this week's Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course in College Station. A special educational opportunity for women in agriculture will soon be offered in Amarillo. James Hunt has the details. Coming up this fall, Texas A&M AgriLife in Amarillo is conducting a series of special programs especially designed for women. D.D. Jones is a risk management specialist with AgriLife, and she says these programs are being offered as part of what's known as Annie's Project. Annie's Project is basically a six-week course designed for women in agriculture. We see a lot of women at our producer meetings. You know, I talk all over the Texas Panhandle, but a lot of times I think that when they're in a room, a large room, they're a little intimidated about talking and really speaking up. Annie was actually a rancher and she started a project many years ago. This is a nationwide program where she wanted to have the same educational events that we have at those large producer meetings, but have them targeted more toward women and have a class just for agriculture, farm and ranch women. And so we have some that inherited land, we have some that are married to farmers and ranchers, and then we have some that are farmers and ranchers in their own right. Jones says the Annie's Project classes will be conducted on six consecutive Monday evenings at the AgriLife Center in Amarillo, beginning with the first session on October 2nd. Cost is $75, and the class will be limited to 25 participants. Each week, we will have a different unit. So we're going to have one time on marketing, and we'll have some marketing people come up. We'll have another one on finance. We'll have some finance people talk. Uh, Another one on law. We'll have an ag lawyer come up and talk. We do farm financial planning. We do mental health. We're going to have some really great programs, including some panels. If you're interested in registering for these classes, contact D.D. Jones directly at this phone number. 806-677-5667. That's 806-677-5667. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new trait available to help Texas corn farmers for the 2024 growing season. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Steve Carlson. He is a DeKalb technical agronomist for portions of Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. Today, he joins us from College Station, and Steve is uh, overseeing several test plots in the state this year involving DeKalb corn products with Bear's new VT4 Pro technology, and uh, this will be available commercially uh, for the 2024 growing season. So, Steve, how can this new technology benefit uh, Texas corn farmers? So, VT4 Pro is what I would call a wide-spectrum insect defense coming from Bear. It's going to protect both above and below ground corn pests. What I really like about it, it's going to bring the proven above ground control that we've got with receptive technology today. And then along with that, we'll be able to provide and manage corn rootworm control below ground. We'll be bringing in a new combination of, of BT and RNAi technology to help us control corn rootworm. 
and its three built-in modes of action with this uh, new trait. So there's three modes of action above ground. So we're going to have three different modes of action above. That will allow us to control corn earworm, fall armyworm, eastern corn borer, southwestern corn borer, even western bean cutworm. And so it does a really good job above ground. So there's three modes of action there. And then below ground, there's actually two modes of action below. So it's going to bring a combination of a BT trait with the new RNAi technology. To make it really simple, the technology is used to silence a mechanism that allows rootworm to produce an essential protein. Basically, we shut that down. That is Steve Carlson. He is a technical agronomist with DeKalb. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The summer heat is taking a toll on crops in the Texas rolling plains. Barry Mahler has an update from Wichita Falls. Summer is moving on here on the rolling plains with the continuation of a pretty uncomfortable heat wave that's not just hard on me, but to our crops in the region. Now, even though we're experiencing 100 plus degree days for the last two weeks, and the forecast is saying it will continue for a while, I don't think we've set a record high for a day yet, and we may not. The heat does not compare in degree or duration to heat waves of the past, so no alarming news of doom and gloom here. Just a heat wave in Texas, which is not unusual. Unpleasant, yes, but not unusual. It's hitting our spring-planted crops pretty hard because the corn's pretty much mature, and although producers would like to have had that one last rain to help fill the ears, well, it's about ready for harvest. It's drying down, and I think it's going to be okay. Now, the grain sorghum is stressing pretty bad, and it will affect the yields there. Even though at this stage of growth, the agronomists tell us the yield potential is set genetically, it needed that one more rain to fully reach its potential. And even though the uh, earliest planted fields still look pretty good, it's going to take its toll. There's no doubt about that. We had a mixed bag in the cotton department. It was a tough year to get a strong, consistent stand that is needed for a really good crop. And as good as a spring shower sounds right now, we had a few untimely rains that caused some skippy stands last spring. Cotton on the good deep soil with good grass control still looks good, even though the plant is very droopy at the end of a 105-degree day. But the yields are being affected. It's numerous squares, that's the undeveloped bowls, are being thrown off by the stress plant just to help it survive. With burn bans being put in place by counties all around the Lowly Plains, you know the grass is hurt, as well as the late summer hay production. Once again, there is good news, and a lot of early hay was raised, and that will help get a bunch of cattle through the winter. But hey, if you listen close, in most small rural communities, you'll hear a faint whistle early in the morning and late in the evening, and that tells us that football practice has begun for Texas high school football. So be patient with the heat. Fall is not far away. Reporting from the Rolling Plains, I'm Barry Muller for Texas Ag Today. There are a few areas of the state where dove hunting may be better than other areas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And sheep may need a calcium supplement. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Sheep may need a calcium supplement. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. To know the nutrient levels you are feeding your sheep, you need an analysis. And not only calcium levels, but other minerals as well, as other minerals can affect absorption of calcium. Calcium levels are very important during late pregnancy as the fetus begins to grow rapidly and the ewe requires more calcium in the diet. For a 150-pound ewe, maintenance calcium is 2.4 grams per day, and this increases almost threefold in early gestation and increases fourfold during late gestation if she's carrying twins. So although regular rations may meet calcium requirements, these regular rations are likely deficient in calcium for late gestation and lactating ewes. The ratio of calcium to phosphorus also must be considered and should be around 2 to 1. It is possible that ewes carrying twins in late gestation will develop low calcium levels called hypocalcemia or milk fever. Signs include weakness, lack of appetite, muscle tremors, and the inability to stand. Most ewes will respond to intravenous calcium treatment. An incorrect calcium-phosphorus ratio of 1 to 1 can increase chances of urinary bladder stones, which can lead to difficulty urinating and sometimes urinary blockage. If this is a problem in your herd, you can add ammonium chloride to the feed, which acidifies the urine and decreases stone formation. Young growing sheep need appropriate levels of calcium to prevent rickets, although rickets is most often caused by vitamin D or phosphorus deficiencies. Talk to your veterinarian to make sure your sheep are on the correct diet. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove hunting may be better in some parts of Texas than others this year. Jessica Domel takes a look at the hot spots on today's Wildlife Report. Morning and white-winged dove numbers are up across much of Texas this year. Owen Fitzsimmons, webless migratory game bird program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says morning dove numbers are up 44% over last year, while the white-winged dove population is up 20%. If you're looking for a place to hunt dove this year, Fitzsimmons says there are a few areas in the state that might have better hunting than others. Kind of the classic dove strongholds you're going to see up in that sort of west of DFW, the Abilene area, kind of that Albany, Throckmorton, Breckenridge area. That's always a top contender. And of course, you know, around Uvalde, San Antonio, kind of southwest and, and all throughout South Texas has been doing really well the past several years. And I don't see that being an exception this year. The only place that we didn't see as big of an increase in morning dove numbers was really the high plains, kind of that western panhandle. Best guess is just it was a really, really windy and, and stormy spring that kind of knocked back nesting a little bit up there. But otherwise, the rest of the state is looking better than they have in many years. There are an estimated 28.3 million morning doves and 11.7 million white-winged doves in Texas. 
there's a lot more morning doves on the landscape than white wings. We're probably going to see that reflected as usual in the number harvested one species versus another. Most of the white wings are harvested in South Texas. That's kind of the historic range, but there's a lot of really good hunting outside of some of these big metroplexes like south of Houston and outside Dallas-Fort Worth and San Antonio for both species. If you're kind of in those areas, I think you'll have a good shot at both. The more rural you are outside of South Texas, I think it's going to be probably mostly morning doves. Dove season for the north and central zones kicks off September 1st. Dove season in the south zone begins September 14th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cattle market was higher Wednesday while the grain markets closed lower. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Well, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, then just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on on the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market managed a higher close Wednesday. We finished slightly higher on both live and feeder cattle. August live cattle up 87 cents, 180.57. The October up 80 cents at 181.70, while December was up 30 at 185.50. August feeder cattle up a dollar fifteen, two forty-seven fifteen. The September up a dollar twenty, two fifty sixty-two. October feeder cattle up ninety-two cents at two fifty-two fifteen. Cash-fed cattle market still mostly quiet for the week. We do see some reports of very light sales, and I mean very light, just a few hundred head. Live sales anywhere from one seventy-six to one ninety and a half. Big range on those. Dressed steers, 292 to 298, but again, we're talking just a few hundred heads, so not enough to really establish a market so far this week. Boxed beef prices higher on Wednesday, choice up $1.52 at 303.91, select up $1.82, 277.98. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason, and San Saba. He had his Mason sale on Monday. Ken, how was it? You bet, Larry. We have a good run right at 900 head today. I thought overall the market opened this week on an overall steady tone, I would say, as a whole. Um, the stocker shared heifers I saw thought pretty well sold fully steady, maybe to 2 to $3 lower on a few of them. The real extremely fleshy ones, part of that, just the heat we have right now and everything. But overall, still very, very good demand. I thought the feeder steers, uh, they sold fully steady. Had a group of 19 steers, weighed 804, right off their mamas, uh, weighed two, uh, brought 212, right at $1,705 on on those i thought also the feeder heifers they sold steady uh, very very good demand on those today packer cows and bulls both sold steady after last week's increase and everything i thought pairs and bread cows they were in very good demand top pairs day uh, we had the sales twenty five hundred dollars very good demand even with the heat we got we got to 108 degrees today and so uh, not really getting used to it but we're dealing with it larry 
Right. Now, anything coming up that you want to tell people about for San Saba Thursday? You know, we got a couple groups of calves that are coming uh, to town this week, uh, and I think they'll be kind of that five to six week range. I'm sure we'll have more as we get on. Probably looking for that thousand to eleven hundred. Going to be pretty warm rest this week. All up in kind of dollar uh, one oh five to one oh eight, pretty well all this week, Larry. Well, tell everybody how to contact. You bet. Give us a call. There you go. Three two five three seven two five one five nine. Also go to our website and look at other information there at uh, Jordan Catalog. Larry. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. You bet, Larry. Thank you. Bye-bye. Texas Neighbor looks to me like that's it for this edition of Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Me, I'm Larry Marble. I put it all together for you, and you're listening to the program right here, right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a drop on Wednesday. The nearby August was down 45 cents, 101.65. But the October dropped the limit. It was down three bucks to close at 81.57. Class three milk was lower. August milk down 10 cents, 17.26 a hundred weight. September milk down 18 at 17.79 a hundred. Cotton market finishing mostly higher. It's a quiet trade this week in the cotton market. Traders seem to be sitting back waiting on some reports that may move the market one way or the other. The nearby October lightly traded contract was down 9 points, 86.11. December cotton up 15, 85.35, while March cotton was up 15, closing at 85.42. Corn market lower as we continue to see decent rains in the Corn Belt. We had overnight rain from Kansas, Nebraska, into Iowa, Missouri, and the eastern Corn Belt. So that continues to push corn prices lower with September dropping four and three quarters, 481 a bushel. December corn down four and a half at 494 and a quarter, with March corn down four, 508 and a quarter. Wheat market seeing another drop on Wednesday. Demand, a big issue right now. Russia undercutting everyone on the world market. It looks like for now they've captured most of the world wheat sales. And that pushes our prices lower, both hard and soft wheat. In the red, September Kansas City wheat down nine cents, seven sixty-one and a half. Soft wheat got hammered the hardest. September Chicago wheat down twenty-one and a quarter at six thirty-five a bushel. In the energy markets, September natural gas was up eighteen cents, two ninety-six. September West Texas crude oil up a dollar thirty-eight at eighty-four thirty a barrel. The financial markets lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 86 points, 35,227. The Nasdaq down 113 at 13,770. The S&P down 16 at 4,483. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at TexasFarmBureau.org or TFBRadio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.